Hi, I'm Raquel, and you are listening to the first in the series of Horizontal Conversations, recorded for Mayfest 2022. In this conversation, I get to talk to Bristol-based creative producer, curator, and facilitator, Rosanna Diaz. Rosanna works with Gentle Radical, and up until recently was a producer at Rising Arts Agency. She is also co-curator of Creativity and Care, a year-long programme exploring pleasure activism and care in production processes at Noel West Media Centre, which she has been developing with Josephine Giassi. We invite you to find somewhere you can rest and take some time out to listen to this conversation. Unfortunately, the audio quality isn't brilliant on this recording. We've learnt from it and it will be better next time, but we hope you can bear with it and still get something from the conversation. And there will be a transcript link in the show notes. I was thinking the first question I'd really love to ask you is how you came to work with rest and care because I think we both work with rest but um, we've come to it in in very different ways maybe and um, I'd love to hear about how you came to that if that feels okay to share. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. It's a great question. Um, I think for me working across as as a creative producer and curator working across projects that are both kind of creative and also about social change or social justice so kind of with a foot in that activist space Mm. in both of those areas it feels quite difficult to rest Um, it can be in in both of those kind of places the processes there can be very um, challenging demanding and there's a sense that you have to give your everything to make things a success and and part of that is kind of cultural norms Mm. and part of that is how things are set up in the creative sector and in work when you're trying to make change it can be feel very um exhausting Mm. (laughs) um but actually um, I guess for me it was the question was what happens when you you do start to centre rest and care as a as an antidote to that kind of burnout culture mm. that exists and for me that kind that started through my own experiences in the creative sector working in more institutional spaces and also. I was working a lot with young people, young people of colour, young young change makers, and I felt complicit in some of those ways of working, where I felt I wasn't I wasn't providing a nourishing enough space 
in reality. And it just felt very jarring mm. because I too needed that and I wasn't getting that either. Um, and so I really started to question, um, I guess, what people really meant or really mean by co-creation, by youth-led. Mm. You know, I was young. I was a young person <laughs> then as well. You know, and, and the, the, I really started to realise where the power dynamic uh, would show up. Uh, something I was noticing in my work with others and also in my own interactions with more institutional culture mm. or ways of creative production and making art, telling stories. And so a lot of, I guess it took me a while to understand that what I, the question I kept returning to was, well, where is the care in this process? Mm. A lot of the ways of, of of working where you're centering the person, the individual and their needs, as well as collective needs, for me feels very intuitive. And so I'd become quite frustrated when that wasn't shared by other people. Mm. And it took me quite a few years, I think, to realize that it was around care and understanding how you could shift production processes that that would be a way in for people to to maybe shift their own practice mm. and also a way for me to demand <laughs> the change that I wanted to see mm. but it wasn't it wasn't immediate a lot of the time I, I used to think of I, I used to talk about co-creation and different kinds of methodologies and I think that is important but actually for me the baseline has become a more holistic sense of, of care mm. and how you take care of yourself and other people in the process. Mm. That's so interesting that you uh, you just sense that jarringness between kind of creating these spaces of care and the the institutions or the productions that you the, you, the production kind of culture you're working within. How, did, how do you kind of seed rest and care into your own practice and into the, the kind of working week? What, what, what does a project look like? Um, yeah. Yeah, so I guess the way, one of the ways that I always start work or working with people is taking the time to create some shared principles or intentions for the work mm. and as part of that conversation understanding what it is I need to feel cared for mm. and being able to communicate that and also what is it that I can do to care for others and if, if you know in collaborations if, if we're all able to ask these questions of ourselves share the answers that can be a really nice way in to being radically honest mm. about what we want and what we're able to give mm. and where our edges are. And that is, a div that is the start of a conversation, that, that conversation about 
what we need, uh, what we desire, how we want to show up is always shifting. Mm. So it can't just happen once. <laughs> it needs to come back, but it's a, for me it's about like, part of it is about trying to create that culture. And often that means slowing down, mm. which can sometimes be very tricky in a sector that demands quite rapid production mm. uh, and decision-making <laughs> because of the scarcity of resources or the perceived scarcity of resources as well, I would say. Because I don't think it has to be like that. But that's what the cultural norm is to produce within these this scarcity model. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I really agree that maybe there is the resources but we maybe never feel like we can ask for it mm -hmm. because we have to try and deliver the project within something manageable or, or not ask for too much. Um, it's it's so interesting to hear you talk about rest and care because I've come at it from, um, I guess I'm coming at it from disability justice, but it, it came very much from a personal need to lie down um, throughout the day to manage pain and the kind of cognitive fatigue that comes with that. And um, I did that for many years just at home, but didn't feel brave enough to do it in public. And about seven, six, seven years ago, that that shifted because I just felt like my world had gotten far too small. Mm. And so I started to kind of uh, challenge myself to play or feel a bit bolder about lying down in, in public. The Arnold Feeney actually is where we are today is one of the first places that I mm. lay down in the gallery so that I could see the art. and. Um, and linger with the art and mm. have that and then not go home to recuperate but recuperate in public yes. um, and and then I uh, in 2016 I triggered a security alert by lying down at the South Bank Centre and that kind of really sparked this I felt like um, I wanted to respond to that and one of the things I did was put this survey out about um, like what what would make your local arts venue or arts institution like truly accessible and I left this little box in the in the survey inviting people to share a rest in story if they wanted to and started collecting these stories these kind of amazingly frank and truthful stories about people resting in all kinds of public places like to toilets quite a lot um, people's cars uh, people resting in stationary covers at work because it was the only place where they could um, rest, which is kind of funny and tragic at the same time. Um, and then, yeah, that th those stories became kind of the the key narrative in in the piece that I made. Um, but rest, I guess it it started off as like the rest in stories, and then. And then it became a question about, well, um, how do we ask our audiences to listen to this? Because actually, we want them to rest while they hear the stories. And and then I feel like rest is then sort of uh, more and more become part of 
all of what I do, hopefully. Mm. Not, not always possible, but um, you said, I heard a conversation you had recently, you talked about, uh, you and Uella were talking about rest as methodology. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I, and I think you talked about like, what, how, what do you create from that space, from those soft spaces? which is language that I really, really loved, um, that Yuella said that your work often comes from the soft spaces. Mm. Um, Yeah, what's that kind of rest methodology like for you? Yeah, I think that part of the way my brain kind of works or thinks about it is I'm very obsessed with processes. Um, it's not a surprise being a <laughs> producer. <laughs> so I really like unpicking the process of things. Mm. And so I focus as much on the process as, as the product of whatever it is we're doing. And I think um, when, you, when you think about the process and how that can be softer, more um, peaceful, Mm. um, expansive, Mm. and I mean that in the sense of maybe we don't quite know where we're going, but we have our principles, we have a shared respect, Um, maybe as a group of collaborators working together. we know our direction, um, but actually the edges of it are soft, mm. and the spaces and the, the, the time that we spend together, uh, we need to be gentle with one another. So, um, part of that comes from doing a lot of work around racial justice, and really seeing how how when you're working to you know change a system and processes which are so embedded in so many parts of our society not just the kind of arts world you're also it's it's very easy to not to rest actually and not to just to keep going keep going keep going keep going and that 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 burnout can really come and get you and I see it for myself I see it in others who are maybe working in what might be called inclusion uh, work you know Mm. again quite an institutional term Mm. maybe not that useful but who are trying to make change basically whether that's in a community setting or another setting and doing that through creative means the question in terms of like that rest methodology one of the main questions for me as a producer is like how do we resource the rest Mm -hmm. so within the work that i was doing with rising arts agency over the last few years that's been a big question Mm. (laughs) and you know we, we tried various different ways of how you might actually just resource the rest pay people to rest Mm -hmm. and and for that to be no strings attached Mm -hmm. 
And that sounds really radical, but it shouldn't be. You know, we all have different challenges, but there are also some who, because of, because of, the, because of their identities and how society is set up to marginalize them, mm. we should be resourcing that rest mm. as a society, as a sector. Yes. And it just seems so obvious, <laughs> to, you know, but it isn't something that is widely understood it feels like someone always has to pay in capitalism, in creativity, you know, in change making. Mm. But it doesn't have to be like this. Mm. So for me, I'm interested in what are the like practical ways we can resource that rest, resource that soft time, mm. resource longer, deeper processes of mm. engagement where we're really valuing people for people, not seeing them as like a means to an end or a number or a statistic or a token, but mm. actually enriching their lives. Mm. Their, well, their, not their lives, but the enriching their experience of creativity. Mm. And giving them the time and space to really explore that. Yes. And, um, yeah, and to and to recover from the the, the I'm going to use the word the violence yeah. of the world. Um, yeah. Yeah. This yeah this question of does 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 somebody always have to pay? Because <laughs> um, as part of the cloud spotting project, I run these cafes, these kind of cloud spotting cafes that I've mentioned to you before, and. They're, I, th I think of them very much as crypt spaces. They're kind of set up very intentionally to, um, to be, for you to do what you need to do mm. to feel uh, well in that space. So mm. there's a soft start. You always can come and go whenever you need to. And you don't have to explain. Cameras off if you prefer. We always have a rest after, um, like half an hour or 40 minutes um, so it's it's a kind of very held space and uh, a space I guess where we have the understanding that we all we all have some kind of chronic illness so people there's a kind of trust there that people get it and um, and it, so it feels like a safe space as well as a uh, like a more expansive softer space mm. um, and th that space is uh, I mean, we've had feedback about how how good it is and how necessary it is, um, but we keep having this question. And and I'm also very lucky lucky enough to kind of also go on residencies with other people who are exploring chronic pain and dance or rest and 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 um, creative practices. So we can create these pockets mm. that are different. But the question comes up again and again: How do we? Um, how do we hold on to those principles when we have to work in, in the systems that exist or when we rub up against those systems? And um, yeah, how can we take some of the principles and the atmosphere into the other work that we do? Because, and I, and I, don't, I don't have an, uh, an answer at all because I, I really struggle to 
to, to do that for myself on a kind of day-to-day mm. basis, even though I have quite a strong rest practice and I always rest at least twice a day, um, I, can, I, can still, I can still really overdo it and really get caught up in a, in a rhythm that exacerbates pain and other symptoms that, I, that then takes longer to sort of mm. calm down mm. or it's more work to calm it all down. I think I had about three different questions in there. I can't remember. <laughs> but, but yeah, something about how yeah, d- d- is it that somebody else always has to pay if if one person is resting? Does that mean somebody else always has to pick up the mm. work, or mm. or can we build flex into the system so that there we go. there's always there's <clears throat> always someone in the role of available to support or pick up? Yeah. Is that the dream? This is the dream. Mm. I think there's a few things to pick up on there. Mm. Yeah, I think I think absolutely this is the dream. That actually resting and being, just being able to be in whatever way we need to be, because rest isn't always like soft or quiet or it can be loud and mm. <laughs> shaking your whole body like you know whatever rest is you there are so many different kind of qualities or characteristics of rest types of rest mm. maybe that that people need so being able to find whatever it is that works for you but yeah having having um having spaces or processes that do have that flexibility and uh, mean that someone isn't paying is something that is so rare mm. and yet um, there are there are ways of, of doing it and I think for example you know it, it does go back to that intentionality I think um, something that um, Josie and myself at Norwest Media Centre are exploring the creativity and care program is around this idea of like creative care coordinators and mm. what it means to resource uh, people members of staff to do that work of care in a creative setting and to and what would that role look like and that was something that we uh, came up with with our you know the co-creation process that you were a part of Mikael. Mm. and it's something that one of the other collaborators Jay Talawa based in Birmingham now implements as part of their practice they have a creative care coordinator resourced through various means that accompanies them and supports them at different points of their creative journey and now we're looking at, okay, well, how does that work as a, in an organisational mm. setting? Mm. And so I guess that leads me to the point of, I really believe that whilst it feels like change on that mainstream, top-down kind of level is really hard to achieve, mm. I do think that we can do it in a, another way if we can start with ourselves and our connection, like our connected communities, mm. our connected organisations, we can 
we can create change and I think that's something that Adrian Mary Brown talks about a lot and I take a lot of strength from that idea of fractals and modelling the small changes to create the bigger changes mm. and I think that rest in a way has become more of a mainstream topic through the, the height of the pandemic that was I think a lot of people's consciousnesses ha have, even if it was maybe temporary, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. We're, temp you know, we're opened a little bit. Yeah. And I think that part of what I want to do is that whole um, thing of like artists making the revolution irresistible mm. kind of piece. But also like, how do you make this rest and slowness and care irresistible mm -hmm. because you can we can take these into other places and I have done this institutional places and it is so kind of wildly different to what people are used for used to and it you get this sense that for them it is utterly delicious mm -hmm. and so <laughs> delicious. Yeah. Yeah. you know and you're like, they're like mm -hmm. oh this is it can actually this is a whole nother way like bringing reflection into the process. We've not done this before. Mm. You know, these things that can slow down uh, onto the next thing kind of culture. Mm. And also, let's not talk about how that actually went. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's just yeah. carry on kind of culture. <laughs> to actually slow down and iterate and learn together and make it a delicious process. Mm. And I, I do think that there is space for that. It's a slow, road slow yes. journey though yes so yeah i i take a lot of heart from that as well though because mm. um I, I have this dream of a, a rest friendly city and uh and um just got some funding from uh, the originators fund to, to run a project for a year that that will run horizontal events at different venues, um, a bit like you experienced in the summer when we lay that down in was, the gallery. <laughs> that was amazing. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was a really beautiful, yeah, a beautiful event to to invite an audience to lie down in the gallery and um, rest with a piece of art and just feed in like this the, the, some lines that the artist had wrote and have a live musician responding to it. Felt like a very beautiful atmosphere. Yeah, to create and a different way of. Um, well, engaging with art and of being together in public, it also felt like a different mm. to lie down together. Felt like this this collective act of rest that I know I know you're interested in yes. as well. Like what what those collective acts can do. Um, I, I love I love in the conversation I've heard you talk about what rest feels like for you, mm. um, and that that's. Uh, that that's a lot when can be when you're dancing, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and I think he said that you kind of um, forgive me if I'm slightly like misremembering, but that you um, that you kind of lose can lose yourself in it and can come home to yourself. Yeah, and uh, and that that feels like freedom. Yeah, and when when I heard you say that, I thought, God, I, that. That's something I used to get from dancing, 100%. Um, and kind of through my life journey, now it's something that I get from 
from resting and mm. from that kind of for me it often it often is a horizontal still place mm. but, um, but it can be a light it does feel very embodied though I think that's what I uh, when you said that about lo- losing yourself, mm. I can often lose myself in in the soundscape and the, the the kind of traces of of people around me, even if I'm the the counterpoint and the still point in that situation. Um, but I, there's something about coming back to the body, coming home, and losing myself in uh, in in a detail or uh, something that's surrounding me. Um, so I, I just I was interested in the kind of the, the similar embodied feeling, even mm. if it's maybe different actions. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of I think one of the one of the things that as humans we're maybe searching for is that ability to connect with our our soul and mm. our spirit and. And that happens in, can happen in so many different ways with different people. Um, but being, just being, being a, you know, being a human being, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically, like, actually just being, in, I don't know, like, just, yeah, just being. I don't know if I have more to say on that. <laughs> I, I love the like the opportunity we have to evolve language, and that yeah. feels like like your language of just being. And I think maybe it it's the same as some I would say sort of um, rest as being this doorway to the poetic. But mm. I think it's the same kind of mode or state. Yes, that is. Um, just being, just noticing, and uh, and and through that, feeling your very deep connection to other things yeah. and other people. Um, yeah, I, f- I find uh, nature and being outside in nature perhaps one of the most restful things mm. I can do. Um, and I feel, I always feel very privileged whenever I am in nature. And I live in East Bristol. I've got big parks next to my house, basically. Huge trees mm. uh, cover the big roads that are all around, you know. And I can just go there every day and, and be, even if it's for five minutes. It... It is really a beautiful place to be. Mm-hmm. And for me, nature helps me to get closer to that, that being, that resting, that peacefulness. Mm-hmm. And I loved what you said about uh, rest as like a portal or a doorway to poetry because for me, like nature is that. Mm-hmm. And it made me really excited to think about that, those links. Mm. So thank you for highlighting that. Mm, right. it, it feels like there's, um, yeah, there's so many ways in which the, I think the things we want to bring into the world have a lot of similarities. Um, and 
I'm I'm super interested in collective acts of rest mm. and uh, in the in the cloud spotting show we bring the audience together to lie down um, to lie down together to listen to the the stories and the narrative and the music and um, although we did it we have done it where everybody's invited to lie down at home and that's been kind of powerful in different ways I think there was something very special about doing that journey together mm. um, and kind of enacting rest in public and uh, letting yourself be vulnerable in that way and because um, it is a, it can be an awkward act for people to, to lie down in public and feel um, vulnerable I, I read an, a, an article recently about um, by an architect her surname's De Klerk and she's writing, she's based in South Africa and she was writing about a public interior wanting uh, spaces that are like a, a public interior where you can feel at home mm. in public as in your own home um, and and that means you, you kind of have more access to the resources of the, the city would be sort of more um, open and available um, what, what are the kind of collective acts of rest that, that you imagine or daydream about? I love that as you were kind of talking about that article and that architect's like ideas that that really made me think of one of the one of the places I started uh, with a couple of years ago was around this idea of yeah of collective rest and what that looks what that could look like what that can be and actually what is already happening because mm. there there is stuff happening and there's there's an artist who's based in North America called Uzumaki and, and they create these totally fur-lined uh, room installations. Everything is covered in, in thick, bright, fake <laughs> fur and, yeah, and they invite, you know, their spaces for people of colour to come and just hang out and rest. And that sounds delicious and irresistible. <laughs> exactly, and fun, yeah. and like, you yeah. know, kind of like loud and wild at the same time mm. as being so inviting and cozy and restful. Mm. I love that, that kind of combination. And I want that, like, I, mm. when I close my eyes, when I, <laughs> when I first thought about, like, the kind of uh, Spaces of Care project way back when, when it, when it was a more of a, a project about placemaking and specifically about digital placemaking. I could imagine like shops mm. that were no longer shops, that were soft spaces for us to go, mm. where you didn't have to pay <laughs> to be in the space, didn't have to buy a coffee <laughs> yeah, yeah. to hang out, you know, you actually could just come and be. Yeah. And of course, as soon as you start to do that, that, that kind of dreaming, it does throw up a lot of questions about safety, about hospitality, mm. about resourcing it, yeah. you know, yeah. all of these things. Yes. Uh, these are the kind of questions that I really like digging into. Yeah. I've, I've been uh, dreaming and sort of talking for a few years about a rest in spaces network. Which would sort of be a, a a group of spaces that 
sort of proclaim themselves West friendly, and but their but their spaces that are maintained. So that so I guess with the with that kind of proclamation comes a kind of duty of care to mm. to maintain a, a resting space or a very clear invitation to rest within the building. Um, and that's that's something I'm going to kind of try over the next year with um, yeah with venues in Bristol and. As part of Mayfest, we're going to have three beautiful resting spaces at Bristol Old Vic that are temporary, you know, for now. But um, yeah, really, really wanting to see if it's possible to to create those spaces and that invitation mm. to rest. And I know it would would take it would take time for people to feel safe enough to use them for sure. But um, but but to see what that would what change that. That could that could bring for for people like me who yeah who need those spaces to to be out in the world. That sounds <laughs> so exciting, and I can't wait to come and rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and rest there. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna ask the mayor to lie down and have a conversation with me also a horizontal conversation and hope that. Um, like 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 you say the edges of where are the edges of it that hopefully it can become a bit more mainstream too but um i can't wait for that conversation <laughs> as well we'll see, see if it happens yeah. Um, i yeah thank you so much for taking time to have this conversation and um i really feel like that yeah i'd love i'd love um, to chat again sometime about how we, yeah, how we build in the flex, and but also how we all support one another to to rest. And maybe we don't need to dream these things alone. Maybe we can kind of dream yes. them co- collectively and share that experience. Yes, I, <laughs> I wish for this too. I wish for this too, and yeah, send. I guess send a, a, a wish a hope of rest out to everybody who's listening as well mm. um, yeah that we can do that together mm. Mm, absolutely calling it in yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you Raquel thank you for a wonderful conversation yeah thank you thank you for a beautiful afternoon that was made my day You can find links to the people and conversations we mentioned in the show notes, as well as links to Rosanna's projects, including her really exciting new endeavour she is launching this summer. Rosanna is launching Studio Susigat, a new home for creative production in Bristol and beyond, centering rest and care in creative practice and using the principles, intentions, business model and co-creation strategies she's been developing over the last few years. She can't wait to launch it and I can't wait for it to be in the world. There are also links to the Rest in Spaces network I mentioned in the conversation and to a new year-long project that I am launching in June called Towards a Restful City. Restful City will run a Bristol Cloud Spotters book club, horizontal events and create a map of rest-friendly spaces in Bristol. 
Cloud spotters is the term or the euphemism I use um, to express the horizontal needs of someone with an invisible disability like chronic pain. So if you're based in Bristol and um, you are also a cloud spotter, that might be a space you want to check out. Thanks for listening today.